Correctional Services Committee in Parliament earlier on. And for more on this, we're on the line to Dr. Dale McKinley. He is an independent writer, researcher, lecturer and political activist. A very good uh, afternoon to you, Dr. McKinley. Thank you once again for speaking to us. Let me start with his presentation before the Justice and Correctional Services Committee. You were listening to Sean Abrams uh, explain himself, articulate the reasons for the chain of events. What were your thoughts around how he handled all of this? Well, my immediate thoughts were that uh, he is very much like his political boss. Uh, he doesn't want to take any responsibility for his own actions. Um, I think it was a very long, drawn-out explanation for something that had a very simple explanation. Uh, he took a decision and he reversed it. And I think the, the public and the parliament wants to know why he initially made those charges. But he's attempting, he spent a long time attempting to sort of distance himself from the decision to prosecute. Essentially, you know, he had said eventually that uh, he, the buck stopped with him, and now he's basically saying, no, it was my prosecutors, the juniors, the case was presented to me. So whatever the technical reasons and all of the other things he went through, I think the fundamental thing that's coming out of this is once again we have a situation where he's not willing, the, the head of our prosecutorial agency is not willing to take a responsibility for something that caused huge amounts of damage, consternation, and uh, let's say fear in the country, uh, that things were moving in a very bad direction. And then he realized this, reversed himself, um, so I don't think the public is so much interested in all the technical details as the politics of it. Mm. Just listening to the DA's shadow justice minister, um, Advocate Breitenbach, questioning Sean Abrams, she said, please be mindful of the fact that I, uh, on the other hand, am very, very uh, familiar with the MPA Act and some of the legalities that you speak of, the technical aspects of these issues. And, and there was even an inference in her questioning if he had an appreciation not only of the law but its application um is this how he's coming across that uh, he he lacks a certain um nuance or a, a certain you know grasp of some of these important issues i think so i, I think that you know when uh, sean abrams was first appointed there were a great deal of questions around uh you know his experience uh, his ability to manage that position, because it's not simply a position for a, a, a lawyer uh, in interpreting the law. It's a, it's a political position. It's a very, very important one in which you have to take into consideration what you do affects the entire country, particularly in a case like this. And if there's the perception, even if uh, he wants to contest that, that he is under the spell or has been deployed into that position to do certain things, then, of course, his interpretation of the NPA Act or any other law that he is responsible for interpreting is going to be questioned. And I think that's the key issue here, is that he's suffering from a crisis of legitimacy um, from, from the actions he's taken. So, yes, we could probably point out that he's possibly misinterpreted or at least, uh, should we say, uh, been very selective about what he chooses to do with regards to the law. But I think the larger question for many of us and for most people is, why did he do what he did? And is he going to be able to explain to the South African public uh, the politics behind that and then fall on his sword, which he's obviously not willing to do? Well, I mean, before his appointment, he was an advocate in the Priority Crimes Litigation Unit of uh, the NDPP. And I'm wondering, how does uh, this position um, prepare him for, as you say, this judgment calls that are required that are outside 
of the legal specifications or qualifications. He himself spoke about the fact that the SARS rogue unit investigation is almost nearing an end. So is he adequately equipped? Is this going to be a learning experience for him in making that all-important decision about the SARS rogue unit? That is their case. Yeah, one would certainly hope so. But I think there's been some fairly fatal damage done here because uh, any any move that he now makes, uh, whether it's against, in, in the case of the SARS so-called rogue, rogue unit, uh, that would also involve the finance minister and others in SARS, or any other very high-profile case, the questions are going to come back to him uh, and as, as to whether or not this is a politically motivated thing. Now, he can tell us what the law is. He can try to explain himself legally. But once again, going back to the initial part of your question, when the president appoints people into these kinds of positions, and this is the problem over the last several years, the general trend has been to appoint people that are not necessarily of the highest uh, professional caliber, that don't have the necessarily the experiences that what the public would have confidence in, uh, but who are political appointees, clearly, uh, who are there to do a particular kind of job. And as long as that's the case, um, and I'm sure that uh, Sean Abrams is a competent lawyer, but that's not the point. The case, the, the, as long as there's the perception and the feeling that uh, things are being done sort of politi- with political motivation, uh, the office of the National Prosecuting Authority, which should be taken very seriously, is going to be under a huge question mark. Mm. I, I mean, uh, back to the fact that he was in charge of this PCLU. I mean, it excelled under his leadership. Apparently, it was, uh, achieved its best results since its creation. Uh, since 2003. So the question here is um, what happens next? Is it a matter of public perception or is it really going to be down to his skills? Well, look, he's clearly a skilled individual. I mean, I don't think he would still be in the position if he wasn't. Um, And uh, even though the calls for him to resign are, are getting louder, it's clear that he's not going to do that. Therefore, he has a responsibility to show the nation Uh, to show the citizenry that he is going to do exactly what he says, to act without fear or favor, to carry out uh, the letter letter of the law, and to do so without political considerations. If he's able to do that, if he's able to show us in the next while that he has turned the corner and that he's no longer uh, at least perceived to be uh, under political instructions, then I think the public would accept that. So it's up, to, it's up to Sean Abrams and the National Prosecuting Authority to rescue their own reputation here. Nobody else damaged it. They're the ones that did it. Okay, so moving forward, uh, Sean Abrams saying that the investigation into the so-called SARS unit is almost at its final stations, uh, or, or rather final stages. What is likely to happen? What can we expect? Because uh, it's very clear that people have taken sides on the issue of uh, priving Gordon and that of his, his innocence or guilt. The impact on the rand and the economy, almost 50 billion rand lost uh, to markets because of this whole debacle thus far. What is likely to happen should he be charged again? Well, let's just take the, 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 the case itself on the, on the rogue unit. If there is a case to answer, then it must be put very clearly. Uh, my understanding of the, 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 the basics of the case 
are that he, he is claiming, the NPA is claiming, that the SARS unit contravened particular intelligence legislation, and that's on the basis upon which they charge. If they're able to make a case, then they should do so, and I think anybody would, be, uh, would look at that objectively. But once again, it has to be very, very clear that uh, it's being done in the law uh, as opposed to another targeting of individuals. So let's, let's uh, you know, we should, if, if there's laws that have been broken, uh, if there are things that have been uh, run around, then they should be exposed. And I don't think people should uh, forget that. We cannot simply be defending an individual or a, a unit and then forget about the law itself. So in, the, in that case, let the, let the case take its course and let's see how that happens. But in terms of uh, the, what, it's done, what it's going to do, it might not be so much the case that is weak or that is bad, but because of what's happened already, because of this charging on fraud issues, the markets are definitely going to react to that. Uh, it's been clear that they react to the very smallest number of, of things which they perceive to be negative for the economy. So you're going to see the RAND drop. You're going to see pull out of uh, money being pulled out of the country and these kinds of things. I think that's an inevitability. But let's be quite clear at the same time that that does not mean, and, and South Africa should not be held hostage to the whims of the market, nor to the whims of certain uh, stockbrokers just because they want to make more money. We should follow the law. We should do so unapologetically. And if uh, anybody, it doesn't matter whether it's the finance minister or anybody else, if they, have been, uh, if they have broken the law, then they must be held accountable. Thank you so much for speaking to us and sharing your insights. Dr. Dale McKinley, he is an independent writer, researcher, lecturer, and political activists. It's just about 24 minutes past uh, four. Let's go back to Rockburn, find out what's happening on the roads this Friday. I know you said Sancton was pretty uh, busy and backed up this afternoon, Rob. Traffic on SAFM, your trusted guide to the road ahead. Yeah, it is going to be busy. Uh, you know, probably always will be on a Friday, I guess. But uh, what we were speaking about this afternoon was the lights out Ravonia, Catherine and Santon, that really big junction down by Santon City. So already Ravonia Road queuing up as you try to get through that uh, down towards Ilovo. Uh, staying in uh, Santon, Grayston Drive, fairly heavy from Ravonia Road as you backlog through towards the uh, Mike One. And there is some construction as well outbound on Ravonia near Fredman Drive. So uh, some extra potential for delays there as well. N14, very heavy.